Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Fritz Coleman, who was a weekday weathercaster at NBC4 Los Angeles for 39 years. He's been a working stand-up comic for even longer, having made eight appearances on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and Johnny Carson and opened for many showbiz icons, including Ray Charles and Debbie Reynolds. In today's episode, Fritz talks about his podcast, Media Path Podcast, with Louise Palinker. If you've ever become obsessed with a topic and taken a deep dive into consuming all you could uncover about it, then Media Path is your new go-to podcast. Welcome to Lifeology. I'm very happy to be with you, James. I think you provide a great service to people, especially after the pandemic when we were isolated and stuck with ourselves. Uh, I, re- I really appreciate that. You know, it's interesting. I, I was asked to do a lot of different um, shows specifically, you know, about the pandemic and ways in which to create self-sufficient behaviors because as we're all in, we're in quarantine for so long that everyone was just going out of their mind. So I'm honored to be a part of the show with you today and all the other people who've continued to inspire the people around us as well. So thanks once again for being a guest today. Thank you. You have done so many things. So I was thinking about this prior to starting. So for being a weathercaster for 39 years, I'm sure the technology is very different than when you first started versus now. What was different when you were the weather, when you started as a weathercaster versus now when it comes to the technology? Wow, so many uh, differences. You know, our our presentation has gotten a lot more colorful and digital mm-hmm. and uh, a lot more movement. Our accuracy has stayed about the same over the years, but our, pre- <laughs> our presentation has gotten really interesting. Now we have AI and all these various ways to present our information. And, and all, you know, the, the accuracy almost doesn't matter as long as you can keep their attention visually for two and a half minutes. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. But it, it's changed in other ways too. You know, when I started out in the business in 1983, there were only three television stations broadcasting in Los Angeles. Now there are like nine and five of those do news all day long. So the competition has increased exponentially and it's just a different business. I probably retired at precisely the right moment. (laughs) Sure you did. (laughs) Yeah, I I know when they used to do sweeps weeks before, you know, there was so much pressure there and I know things are different now as far as how they, how they're able to catch, capture those metrics. But yeah, there is a lot of, saturation in the market for absolutely news, news and there's well. cable and satellite and pe- you know real news junkies don't even watch local television anymore they watch cnn or msnbc yeah. or fox or whatever their 
selection is. So it's it's just a different time. But there are a lot more venues. Now we have podcasts where people can really yeah, be true. themselves and provide these yeah. very focused services like you do to so many people, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, when I was uh, I was an undergraduate undergraduate professor years ago, and that would have been like two thousand four, maybe. And we I had to do a podcast then. I was like, "What is a podcast?" And where I have to record, you know, obviously the typical podcast now. But that was when it first started, and um, <laughs> I struggled with it. So the irony is, years later, here I am having my own show. So it's kind of funny. I had to learn. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, you have a certain expertise. There are a lot of people with podcasts that have yeah. no particular focus in their lives sure. and just doing it to hear themselves <laughs> talk. But you have something to offer to people. But I, I really, I was brand new to the podcasting world until about two and a half years ago. My co-host Louise Palanker whose background was in radio. She started her own radio company, Premier Radio Networks, which is now a part of iHeartRadio. She's done five podcasts since since you could be a podcaster. And uh, so when I retired from NBC, my contract lapsed and I was no longer tethered to NBC. Uh, We've been friends for 30 years. She produced a couple of my one-person shows. And we just used to have interesting conversations between ourselves. Uh-huh. And we were of like minds. We we loved the same books and the movies and politics and and other sorts of media. And she said, "Why don't you just come on and we'll continue what we always do every day and have great conversations about stuff." And really, that's how our podcast was born. I'm new to it; she's not, so I understand how hard it is. But when you were in the pioneer days of podcasting, like you were. Wow, <laughs> but yeah, that that is a lot of that's it's really neat. I, I always think it's cool to hear how shows start because you know, it, you, like you said, you guys just talk about those things all the time. Why not have everybody else here? Have mm-hmm. great, interesting guests come on and, and talk about those mm-hmm. things. I wanted it before we because I want to talk more about that in a second. But I want this is the other question I wanted to ask you about. So first off, what is a f- you've done four one man shows? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I I came up with a new title for what I do on stage. I, okay. I'm a I'm a comic. I mean, I, I I got my job doing the weather at Los Angeles from being a comic. I was working at the comedy store, and the news director at NBC was in the audience one night and saw me perform. And while I was on stage, I told an anecdote about having done the weather in the Navy. I worked for Armed Forces Radio and Television in the Navy. And I was forced to do the weather, but I didn't know anything about it. And so I made, I made this anecdote about that. And he just thought that was fantastic. And he asked me if I would like to come and do some vacation relief weather forecasting at Channel 4. And I was making $45 a night at the comedy store. I said, oh, my God, when do you want me to start? And so that's how my career started. And the only wow. reason it started that way is there's no weather in California. It's the same forecast from April <laughs> to October. And that's and funny. so uh, I, I I seized this opportunity and it turned into a, a wonderful career. But uh, anyway, that that's 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 what happened. In the beginning. So when the question is that what what with a one man show do they play? Is it just oh, I'm sorry, yes. talking, and or so, do you have different uh, characters you're playing? Yes, works? yes. No, I'm sorry. Um, no, it's totally fine. I I uh, I I did typical monologues as a comedian, but then I developed this thing called a single topic monologue. So the first one of my one man shows, uh, it was 90 minutes long. It was about being a parent and it was growing up in an alcoholic family and just revealing myself to my children. I, I, this is odd as I, I'd love to get your opinion about this being a psychologist, but Uh when I went to my father's funeral, what I, it was, I, I was, mixed emotions about it because 
what was astounding to me was how little I actually knew about my father. Everybody was going up on the dais and telling these stories about my dad that I'd never heard before. And it made me sort of melancholy. I thought, I never want my children to be astounded by stuff they didn't know about me. I'm going to reveal my whole life to them. So I sat and started making notes about my life. And I thought I would record it on a home video camera in my den, put it in a safe deposit box. And then when they were old enough, like 18, they could watch this thing and learn all the bare truth about my life. That's powerful. And I started telling my friends about it. And they said, that would make a fantastic monologue. Why don't you write it and make it a performance piece? So I made it a performance piece. It was, I, I had two sons at the time. Now I have three kids. But it was uh, called It's Me, Dad. And a public television in Los Angeles bought it and aired it seven years in a row on Father's Day. It's, a, it, it's oh an homage gosh. to being a parent and just being honest about my relationship with my father. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. So uh, I, I did a series of single-topic monologues. The first one was about being a father. The second one was about divorce. The third one was about being in the news business. And the fourth one, my most recent one that finished about a year and a half ago, was called Tonight at 11. It was about being in the news business. So I, I just love it. I, you know, it, it, it's funny, but when you do a one-person show, it doesn't have to be funny every second. You can gotcha. have serious moments and thoughtful moments, and that makes the jokes even funnier. So that's what that was. That's so fascinating. Congratulations on all of your success with that. Thank you. As a comic, how do you... So let me back up. So on this side, when I ever, every time I watch a comic, if they're, if it's someone that I know about, I'm like, okay, I'm fine. But if it's a new comic, I don't know about, and I don't know that many, unfortunately. But if I'm watching them, I get this cringe, like, oh, if they, because I have my empathy level so high that I'm like, oh, if they bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, it's so yeah, hard for me to watch it. <laughs> you get flop sweat for them. I, I know. I, I, I get that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm an observational comedian. I don't do okay. any current events material. Okay. I don't uh-huh. do politics. And uh, for a bunch of reasons, first of all, the shelf life of political jokes is very short. You got to keep writing. Second of all, (laughs) we're in a very uh, sort of divided world right now. Mm -hmm. And you can do a a political joke and alienate 50 percent of your audience immediately. So I stay away from that. So I just do observational things. My most recent show that I just taped at the El Portal Theater in North Hollywood, and we're going to try to sell it to a streaming service, was a show called Unassisted Living, which is about being old. And uh, I I just love it. I love picking a topic and then fleshing it out to its ultimate degree and having fun with it. Wow, that is so neat. How is it for you to be that vulnerable and transparent about your life in front of all these strangers? That's such a great question. I can tell you're a psychologist. I think it's really, it's, it, it's, I, I was an only child, which uh-huh. is a whole other can of worms. But I think I, I experience an intimacy on stage with an audience much easier than I do in a one-on-one relationship, which is sad and it's dysfunctional, mm-hmm. but it's true. I mean, as an only child, I was able to exist and sort of compartmentalize my life. But when I'm on stage, I have this, although it's a false intimacy and it's only temporary, I have this intimacy with the people in the audience. And when they, when you connect with them, you're giving voice to something they may think about, but they didn't have the right words mm, to put it in, sure. into words or uh, to make it funny. Uh, that's a real connection. And you yeah. loosen them up. And just for an hour, especially now, just for an hour, you're taking them out of their heads. You're making them forget the cares of the world. And, uh, and really, I, I think, especially now in the world we're living in, it's a great service. 
Yeah, it really is. Hey, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking about the the biomechanics of that. So when we are when we make someone laugh, we immediately join with them. So we're actually releasing oxytocin. So if you and I are talking, laughing, we're releasing oxytocin back and forth, which is a trust hormone, which is when you start to feel comfortable with the other person. So I'm thinking about that, but then I'm also thinking laughing and crying, your body does the same physiological has the pretty much identical physiological response. The only difference is the thoughts that you have about it. So when we're experiencing a lot of different things in life that creates energy. So thoughts create emotions, emotions create how our body responds. And as we know, the emotions can have a sense of tension. So, you know, people can keep it in their shoulders. But so when you make people laugh, you're actually taking that energy of whatever the topic may be and you're helping them express it through laughter. And so and you're making it in a more normal, normalizing it. So it allow them to talk about topics that are very difficult, but to allow that expression to come out through laughter as you join with them with the oxytocin. So it's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about that until just now. That is extremely interesting. It's the first biological explanation of what I do. <laughs> and no, but it was fascinating. I'm going to, when I listen to this, I'm going to write some of that stuff down. It's really quite fascinating. But, but so I'm not, I'm not fantasizing when I say that we have this, this, just momentary intimacy generated with the audience because really? of this exchange of this oxytocin yeah. energy. That's really fascinating. Yes. Yeah. And it, so yeah, it, it, and that would be something to think more about as well, because with, with the oxytocin components, um, and as we know, the more, more people laugh, laughter actually strengthens a heart. Um, and actually laughter, what it does is it creates um, natural killer cells in the blood. So natural killer cells are those kind of like the, the, the warriors of the bloodstream that kind of that kill any tumorous type of free radicals or any type of um, unhealthy particles in the blood. So when you laugh, you actually create those natural killer cells, which helps people become healthier. So that's why they say laughter is the best medicine. Well, it's actually true because it does create those natural killer cells in the blood. So look at you, sir, helping all these people through all these struggles that they have. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it, it explains so much and it explains why all of our famous comedians like George Burns and Bob Hope live mm -hmm. to be a hundred years old. Makes sense. Because yeah. they're, they're making the audience feel better. And the feedback loop is they're feeling better themselves. Yes. Plus, I guess all those guys took masseuses on the road with them every day. They <laughs> That's massage. true. So, but George um, Burns, I don't know. I mean, he's smoking so much. I don't even know how he lived that long, but I mean, fantastic. I <laughs> like 20 cigars a day. I don't, I don't believe. <laughs> I know. That is funny. It's so interesting. <laughs> now with your, with your career as well, you've done so many things. And so what's, when we jump into this um, Media Path podcast in just a second, what are some of the biggest life lessons you've learned? Well, uh, that's a question. I, I, you that's know, a big question. <laughs> no, no, but it's it's a great question uh, uh, that I've had to answer before. Mm -hmm. You know, before the pandemic, I would get invited once a semester to go speak. My friend is a professor at Cal State, California State University at Northridge, and he would ask me to just come and talk to my class about the experience mm -hmm. and um he would always add, he would always set me up by saying what's the one lesson you could impart to these kids and i say the only thing i bring to the table is don't be afraid to try something you hadn't planned on before for instance mm -hmm. i came out here in 1980 to pursue a, a career in stand-up comedy and i told you before the nbc representative was in the audience and just in a, a, a momentary twist of fate, he offered me this job. 
And the only thing that I brought to the table was I wasn't afraid to say, you know what? That might be a great career advancement. Why don't I try? I didn't set out to be a weatherman. I, I didn't, it, it wasn't part of my linear journey to succeed. But when he said that, I said, you know, being a, being on TV in LA is a wonderful thing. And it turned out to be a 39 year career. Fantastic. It allowed me to give my children a stable life and a, and a stable upbringing. So all I uh, say to people is, and all I, all I sort of attribute my success to is not being afraid to try something I hadn't, hadn't planned on doing at mm. first. Yeah. And I, I think that is one thing that many people do struggle with rather the feel of failure or just just an insecurity, et cetera. So, I mean, that, I think that's a powerful lesson. I, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, uh, do something every day that scares you. I'm paraphrasing it, but that's, that's great, brilliant. It's brilliant that's because that's what helps us grow and develop in, in so many ways. And that's pretty cool. I, I agree. So I wanted to transition into Media Path Podcast. So you that's with Luis Palinker. And for those of you listening right now, you can go to mediapathpodcast.com to learn more about it. So what are the different type of top, topics you all talk about? Well, we... We try to come up with a way to describe our show. It's kind of woke boomers, you know, people, (laughs) you know, people born in the post-World War II era. And uh, we're we're sort of free thinking. And uh, although we don't talk about politics, we're more on the liberal and sort of progressive side of Mm -hmm. our discussions about everything. Mm -hmm. And so we've been friends for 35 years and uh, we just sort of of are of a like mind when it comes to movies. She's a documentary filmmaker and just completed a, a documentary about the Cowsills, the, the great band called A Family Band, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime. So she's very aware of new media. And so we go on, we start our show, we call it Media Path. We start our show with about 10 minutes of discussing new things that people can watch and might enjoy. We don't review them, we, yeah. we just suggest them. For instance, this last Tuesday, we tape every Tuesday, uh, I talked about the new season of The Crown, which for my money uh-huh. is maybe one of the best shows in the history of television. And she talked about two other British uh, productions. And it takes about 10 minutes. And we just offer suggestions. And then we have on a guest. This week, we had uh, a guy that has uh, a podcast. And we had a guy who is a host of a radio show on public radio in Los Angeles, KCRW. And he's a great, very knowledgeable about politics. Then we have the cow seals on coming from their dressing room in Branson, Missouri, just before they went on stage for the Christmas show. And so we we mix it up. And honestly, the guests we have the most fun with, because we're in LA, we have access to stars and stuff. There's a star in every corner. Um, we, We are able to get people who were stars in sitcoms in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, people who were heroes to other people and heroes to us. And so we have a great time, you know, just interviewing people. And uh, we can go deep. We had Adam Schiff, the congressman, on talking about his book. Mm. We had Iris Shapiro on talking about his book about Mitch McConnell. We mm. we uh, will. Yeah. So we, 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 we pride ourselves in doing our homework. Okay. So immediately the guests find out that we're sincere about having them on mm-hmm. because we've done our homework. That makes them relax. And as you know, uh, it makes them a little more forthcoming in their answers and stuff. So it's fun. Wow. I definitely recommend this. I, I was listening to, to one of them just before we started here. It was, it's, it's, it was nice to, see your, nice to hear the banter between the two. You can tell that you have been friends oh, for yeah. quite a while. Thank you. <laughs> What's Thank next you. for you all? Um, we're just we're, we're trying to build, you know, uh, mm-hmm. better than I, because you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Uh, 
we're just trying to grow our audience. The podcasting isn't like radio and TV where, you know, you can buy advertising and call people's attention to it with newspaper ads and stuff. There are 150,000 podcasts in America. Yeah. And so you have to slowly grow your audience and not be obsessed with how long it's taking. And that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to become known to more people. And truthfully, when you free yourself from like you do in radio, when you're worried about the overnight ratings and the sweeps mm -hmm. ratings and all that stuff, and when you free yourself up to just don't worry about how many people are listening, have a good yes. time. It's such a great feeling to just do it for the love of it. I love to have conversations with people about topics I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a learning experience. And so I'm, I'm just enjoying it so much. So we just like to grow it slowly and introduce it to more people. Is this a, is it a, is it an episode? Like, uh, how do I say, it? is it a serial version of it? Or as far as serial, um, no, everyone is self-contained. One, two, three. Yeah. Okay, it's so, not okay, like, okay. uh, you know, the Rachel Maddow podcast, right? Okay. It's, uh, every, every episode is self-contained. We like might this. revisit a topic, but not necessarily immediately following. And everyone, you, you can, you can listen at our website, mediapathpodcast.com. We have all of the archived episodes there. You can go through there and pick something out. And I guarantee you, whoever you are, you'll find somebody in there that that you'll find some interest in. We had Gary Puckett of Gary Puckett and Union Gap talking about his hit years. We had Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers. We had Felix Cavalieri of the Young Rascals. We have John Sebastian coming up in two weeks. Wow. Who's one of the great iconic folk rock guys of the 60s. And so for my era, again, the woke boomer era, uh, killer, awesome. killer topic. Yeah. So. So I was looking at your Instagram and it looked like you had Henry Winkler that was on there. Henry Winkler is our only repeating guest, although the council's about it twice. He's our only single repeating guest. Henry's yeah. been a friend of Wheezy's, my co-host for many years. Probably the single loveliest man in show business. I love stars who are extremely talented, but who are comfortable in their own skin. Yes. He, he loves his fans. Nobody treats his fans better than Henry. We <laughs> produced a television show with him that didn't get picked up, but we had the experience of just walking around town with Henry Winkler and watching the world react to the Fonz. It's an amazing experience. <laughs> That's what he it, treats yeah. everybody with such respect, and he's a oh, great wow. guy. Yeah, I saw his uh, on the HBO show. Was, I think it's Ed. Uh, where yeah. Barry. The, Barry, yeah, not, and like it's that, way yeah. dark. It's it's, it's the, very it's the dark side of Henry Winkler. Yeah, yes, and he when I saw him, I was like, oh, he does so well at it. I mean, he's he's a narcissistic. Yeah, he's fantastic. I've seen him in many different things, but I, I really enjoyed watching him. Mm -hmm. Barry, it was it's, yep. like you said, very dark, but it was yeah, very talented. All of them. I agree. That is really cool. That is awesome. Well, we only have a couple more seconds here. Is there anything else you want to tell us about your show no. or anything? I, I, as I said before, I appreciate what you, you do for the public, James, with your yeah, little tidbits. You. Uh, uh, people get to take away a little life lesson. Uh, and it, I mean, there's no greater service. And you give us a chance to talk about our podcast. And we appreciate it very much. Oh, my pleasure. I highly enjoy Media Path Podcast. So if your listeners want to find out more information about you, uh, to listen to the show, to learn more about you personally, about Louise Palinker, where to find all this information online? Uh, go to mediapathpodcast.com. Our bio information, our back catalog of episodes is on there, other peripheral stuff. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Wonderful. My viewers and listeners also know that if I can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll link you with Fritz Coleman. Thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. It was a pleasure. Thanks, James. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap 
watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, that's one nice new bike, Josie. Yeah, birthday present. Rides really smooth, too. Oh, and I see you finally got a new helmet. I did. Bought it cheap online. Love those side wings. <laughs> hey, are you hungry? Yeah, I'm starving. And need some water, too. Okay, follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you. Hey, watch the cars. They can be crazy. <laughs> Teddy! No! Are you okay? Teddy! Somebody do something! I called 911. They should be here soon. Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and I'm concerned because his helmet is smashed and cracked open. It's a brand new helmet. It's probably a fake. Please help him. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart, buy smart. Go for real. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the US Patent and Trademark Office.